What's community? It's a big question. Paper, rock, scissors. <laughs> you want to start? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I think, at least for me, community is um, this network of support, of friends, of relationships that uh, you surround yourself with. And I think we can have a lot of different kinds of communities. Like we can have a work community, we can have a friend community, um, but it's ultimately, it's the people we choose to surround ourselves with and the people that we let in to know us better as our authentic selves. I love that. Valentina? Lord. Definitely said it very well. I'm going to try to give my own definition of community. Um, I think for me, community, it is uh, the family that we choose. Mm -hmm. And there are those people that we really allow them to see ourselves for truly, mm -hmm. like the good and the bad. And uh, the people that we also trust. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm just going to continue to reiterate on what you've said, but for me, it's shared life. Uh, it's not the people that I um, spend, I don't know, but it, it's it's not that necessarily the people I, I share common spaces with. I think for me personally, mm. that has been something I've had to learn is a lot of my friendships and relationships existed in shared spaces. And uh, life has taught me that you don't really build real community and friendships unless you're letting people into your life, um, which means being vulnerable. It means... Um, it means uh, letting people share your burdens. It means bearing the burdens of others. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's what community is for me. Uh, for me, it's just right there in the name. It's the the communing of people in unity. So it's like the group of people that you like hanging out with that sort of have some, whether communicated or not, uncommunicated, like common vision and value. It's like Dan and I hang out because we both love the same kind of history gaming whatever like there is that kind of like je ne sais quoi of like why we're together but we know it and we kind of gather around it is this community Ooh, it could be it could be <laughs> i like to think of it a bit as community like yeah. again that's what i was saying with the the work community side of things mm. is and, and those can like part of the beauty of those different types of community is that they can spill over into each other like just because we work together doesn't mean that I wouldn't hang out with you guys outside of work. Like, I think you're all great people and would love to spend more time with you guys. And I think we've done that with some of our events and hangouts and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I think this, this is a work community where we both enjoy the fact that we get to work together and, and have a common goal. But then outside of that, the, the, like you were saying, Jimmy, the community aspect or, and Dan is that sharing the life piece is that it goes beyond just that shared space. It goes beyond just that shared goal of work and is, yeah, I'm going to share part of my life with you as well, not just, oh, yeah, we we hang out at work. There's an extra layer of intentionality. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Yeah, they're definitely the people I want to do life together with, so, mm -hmm. you know? like, And there can be areas where they overlap, mm -hmm. they work. Um, but yes, so definitely they're the people that I, I intentionally choose so that I want to do life with. And I can allow them to see the messiness of mm. my own life yeah. as well. It's good. 
Yeah, I would say for coming back to your question, Willem, like absolutely, like the the sort of working title description of our podcast time is the meeting house common room, and mm-hmm. it, from the people that are in this room being like, hey, what's a deeper investment we can make in each other and in our wider community? Be like, here's what we're thinking, processing, not just doing as part of our like quote unquote jobs, because in reality, like this isn't part of any of our jobs. Like if we were to get our job descriptions out, it would not say Thursday morning or whenever podcast would be like, well, no, there's a value and a vision for what you could do. And this is part of it. But the fact that we're in a room together talking about like, why are we doing this and how, and what do we want to talk about? Check, check, check. Like Mm -hmm. are some of, not all, but some of the markers of community. So for me, it's a high five, absolutely fist bump. Yes. In part, this is community. Hey everybody, welcome to the Common Room Podcast. I'm here today with Jimmy, with Garnet, and Valentina. And today we're talking about community. Um, so I thought I'd just kick it off by asking, what does community look like in your lives individually? Uh, yeah. I can jump in, yeah. Uh, I think for me, community is like just this awesome network of support. Uh, like. I've got my friend communities and and I've got different types of communities that I'm part of as well. I think that's an important distinction is that community isn't just one thing you can have different communities in different areas. So I've got like my work community, I've got my church community, I've got different friend groups. Um, I've got like my family and the extended community that that brings because the nice thing about the family community is that it's not necessarily one that I have personally cultivated all those relationships. So you get introduced to new people in some of those, similar to, to actually the church community where I'll meet people on a Sunday and, oh, now I have this new person that's part of my community. Um, but it's great to be able to have people that you can share in life with, share in the successes, share in the woes, um, but that just, you know, have your back are invested in your life and you're invested in theirs. Awesome. I love, I love that. that part. Yeah. That it, you're invested in their lives and they are in your life. Mm. I that resonate with me a lot. Mm. And just to keep like maybe explaining a little bit for me, the community that I live in, there are different types of communities. Uh, definitely one is the work community. I feel this is like a, I'm hanging out with the people that I uh, work with and mm. also that I share my faith with it and mm. they love to learn more how we can live a life more like Jesus. So mm. for me, this is what it, the worker community looks like. Um, I also, I feel like having two young kids, I'm part of the mom's community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At times, uh, sports community, like yeah. taking them to activities. <laughs> uh, and, uh, the family community. I, I, I think a family is a um, extended family for me. I moved from Italy 12 years ago. I'm by myself, so I don't have the physical presence of my family here with mm. me. And uh, so I've started building my own uh, family community here in Canada. So they're the chosen people that I love to share my life with. Mm-hmm. And they share their lives with me. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I 
I would say, you know, work community. I have a uh, group of friends that live in Hamilton that are, like I would say are sort of my my like local friend group. Um, mm. I have a, a bunch of like high school friends that I very occasionally still hang out with. Um, I feel like just the fact that we hang out even once a year is kind of like, yeah, that could still be a community. It, it's, it's a badge of honor <laughs> a little bit. Like not everyone has that. It's hard to maintain those, those relationships over a long, a long period of time. Um, sports community. We've been playing, uh, pickup volleyball this summer, which has been a lot nice. of fun. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely different, uh, shapes that community takes in my life. Um, yeah. I would say that. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. I mean, for me personally, my communities are similar to what all of you have said. There's sort of like the affinity community of people, just friends of mine that have um, shared social outlets, you know, mm. coffee being one of them. Like there's kind of a group of us that are like, oh, what's the best spot? Where where do you get the part? Right? Yeah, I'll, I'll text you. I'll text <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, there's fitness and sports, which has always been a high value for me. So there's a group of friends that I have that like that's what we talk about text about gather to do um there's like I've got a theology community of five or six friends that like we can just nerd out for a while and then there's just my friend group community too it's like which is elements of all it's just like I want to hang out because when I do I feel better I grow more I feel like my heart expands three sizes that day to quote the Grinch um <laughs> yeah that's kind of my squad. And then there's also my family community. And I think the, like the, the, a key focal point of that for us and the Rushton household is dinner. So breakfast is on the go, lunch is at school, but supper and, um, both Heidi, my wife and I have given the girls permission, um, that like there's no phones, you know, and it's actually not the kids. Ella's 14. Caitlin will be 20. Um, it's not the kids who are like, oh, struggling with my phone. Their phones never come to the table. And they are like <laughs> police women being like, oh, why is your phone in, in your pocket? What do you need that for? Does it help you eat? And Heidi and I are like, okay, I'll put it away. So that's like the intention. And that's for a reason. It's not just because phones are bad at supper. It's like, we want to look at each other's eyes and talk about how was our day? What are we feeling? What are we laughing about? You know, um, what memes are making us giggle, those kind of things. So yeah, for me, our family community is important, but like the, the, the sort of like laser focus of that dinner shared meal together is like, that's the like apex for us. And I'm like, okay, we're with each other, for each other, listening to each other. And there's intentionality. Yep. So good. Something about the table. Oh, it is, uh, definitely. I support that <laughs> <laughs> to my house so that there's always food ready. Yeah. There is something magic about you know, food is really like uh, the sharing of food together. It just allows people to be present. Food is definitely a community catalyst. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something that uh, Quincy has said over and over is that so many times in the Bible, Jesus gathers people around the table mm. just over and over. There's something there that seems like for 2000 years now, there's something about getting together at a table, sharing a meal. Totally. And that was a marked, sorry, Bible, Bible nerd time real quick. I'll talk about <laughs> a marked difference, uh, not in like the the, the Jewish ethic, because like home and family, there weren't restaurants. You didn't go to restaurants. You had people over and you shared what you cooked well. Um, but in terms of the religious community of Judaism, it was like, well, where, where does God live, dwell and invite you to? Temple. Mm. Right. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to spend time there. 
you know, and he's accused by the religious leaders, like, well, actually, he's not even, his disciples are questioned, why does your teacher spend time eating and drinking and like laying around with people, you know, and Jesus interjects in one gospel and says, seriously, like, this is what you accuse the son of man for. It is not the the healthy who need a hospital, who need a doctor, who need a shared meal, who need a helping hand, who need an extension mm-hmm. of love. It's the sick. So don't be surprised, you know, when these are the markers of this Messiah. It's like, yeah, I'm eating, drinking. I'm at a, a bar stool with somebody as opposed to in a pew with somebody. Yeah. And especially when in that society, people who were on the margins probably didn't feel safe to be walking into the temple. Yeah. Nor did they have any any option to invite anybody to their home. Right. You know, mm-hmm. be like, well, I'll just come with you because like, I don't, I don't have that, nor do I have the financial faculties to be able to provide the meal. And again, Eastern hospitality is not just like a, hey, quick sandwich and you're gone. It's like, no, you're staying for a while, likely overnight. So just carrying that a little bit forward, when we talk about the early church, when we talk about early Christians, what did their world look like when it comes to community? Like, how did that change the paradigm post-Jesus? Well, I mean, I think Jesus fulfilled it, right? So in Acts 2, we think that like um, so the Holy Spirit comes in Pentecost, they can understand each other in this huge Jewish festival. And then what's the marker of the the acts of the apostles out the gate? It's not like, look at us, we can talk good, amazing. It's actually, well, they pooled the resources to serve the poor, you know? And a lot of times that's been kind of like, caricaturized in Western Christianity of like, see, that was the date that everything changed. No, Deuteronomy 14 to 16, this is a command of the temple, that the mm. temple will provide for the poor, you know, that the temple will be the, the the fixed spot on planet earth where heaven and earth meet and people's needs are met, right? But it had strayed. And so it's no surprise that the early church acts too the Acts of the Apostles was not to just center synagogue for synagogue's sake, but it's what synagogue does. It's what the temple does. And that the apostles and us today are the living temples. It's like we are where heaven and earth meet. Like if you want to know what God cares about and who God cares about, like it, it's up, <laughs> yeah. right? And part of the caring is not just like, I'm divinely loved and everything's great and I don't have to do anything for anyone else. It's like that's a sound my way to right. have yeah. life. <laughs> no, you you are the intersection of heaven and earth. You should be sharing, caring, inviting, eating, drinking, mm-hmm. coffee, and gaming, talking with people. Like the, this is the mission of God that continues. It didn't start with the early church. It started in the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not just a flipped switch. No, but I do think there's uh, at least in um, a lot of the the epistles, like the way that Paul. Uh, travels from place to place and like he he's hanging out with tent makers yeah. and he's staying in people's homes yep. that feels like i mean that feels like a new way of doing things uh at least for a religious leader for be, to be doing things that way i i mean jesus lived life that way but then that tradition is carried on right in in the way that uh the first missionaries moved around for sure i think for a rabbi pharisee scholar to be inviting himself over and depending on the hospitality of others was like a a really like whoa awkward moment for the the earliest hearers of this practice of jesus as the way but it was not a foreign concept to to depend on 
people, like the story of um, uh, the road to Emmaus, right? So um, these these people are travelers and they invite the stranger who they don't know is Jesus in. You know, it's not like some miracle, like, oh, mm. what, how, how generous. It was an expectation. Mm. It would be an offense, a social offense to be like, where are you going? I don't know, I'm going to go through. All right, see ya. Be like, oh, no, 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 you're staying with us. Oh, no, I don't want to, I don't want to impose. No, you're staying with us because our scriptures tell us that this is important. I would mm. always leave a pot on, food on, just in case somebody shows up, which, which is where I think we've got got it wrong. Yeah. You know, mm. how do we structure our day with intentionality for community that might be a stranger? Like if somebody showed up to your house and was like, hey, do you guys have food in here? Could I come and chat for a bit? Like, would that be like, oh, I absolutely come in? Or would it be like, listen, I'm on a Zoom call for the past. Yeah. <laughs> really, you know? Or also just like, no. Like, yeah, no, I don't like, know you. I, you doing? It would be hard to say that. As I mean, as a polite Canadian, it would be difficult to say that. But like, I feel like a lot of us would maybe draw the line there, you know? Like, you know, yeah. that reminds me something funny. Um, maybe I was 25, long time ago. <laughs> but I did this thing with my sister. I don't know if you guys ever heard about it, but there is a pilgrimage in the north part of Spain. Yep. It's called the Camino de Santiago. <laughs> So that was her gift to me. I'm like, thank you. We're gonna walk 300 kilometers. So like, that's a wonder. What a gift! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worst Christmas ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my birthday, right? Okay. <laughs> and uh, so we started this, uh, and I didn't know a lot about this pilgrimage, but she was uh, speaking a little bit about it when, as we were flying into Spain, and uh, I remember being first at all panicking because we didn't have a map and we didn't know exactly where we were going and she was like believe me that's part of the process yeah. that like for you to just walk and not having like a, um, a perfect schedule in mind how long it was going to take and where we we're going to stay yep you know we we literally like knocked at somebody's door it's like it's getting too dark i don't think we're going to make it to the hostel can we sleep here Wow. This lady, she was like, well, I mean, we have a room upstairs, so there's no beds, but if you want to put like your sleeping mattress, so, like stay. And in the morning, she made us breakfast. Oh my goodness. Wow. She was like 80 something. Wow. Okay. So that reminded me too, like that those two weeks, uh, I really experienced the, the true, truly the gift of a hospitality, the unexpected one though. Not the one that I say, okay, yes, I'm available between... Uh, six and eight and you can come mm -hmm. and we'll have my house completely ready for you yeah. and you can come in right that that was a truly like a like an experience that it showed me what a hospitality yeah true hospitality looks like yeah absolutely that's and it's like examples like that stand out and are so stark because it's not what we're used to right like the world that we live in that most of us come from is one that's pretty isolated like everybody has their pockets we started off talking about what community looks like for us and for the most part it's like it is it feels like pockets of like individual groups of interest or like we share life in this way but maybe not in this way kind of thing mm -hmm. that's our reality um like i guess my question is like what have we what are we missing when we live our lives that way well, yeah. I think that highlights part of what we're missing, that, that yeah. idea. And it's, you say hospitality, but I, I just to take a step further, I think it's more than that. It's radical hospitality. 
It's the idea of you're not just welcome. You're not just, oh yeah, I guess you could sleep in my spare room, but it's you belong here. It's like, I'm going to make you breakfast. You're part of the family for this morning while you're here. Not just, yeah, I guess we could give you a spare room. Sure. You can be over there. You do your thing. I'll do mine. But it's like, no, no, now you are belonging here in my home now. And it's just that overarching like theme of you're beyond just welcome. That's really good. I feel a lot of the time we feel like we're interrupted Mm. by others Mm. needs it. So it's like, or at least I speak for myself. Like I have this idea of my day, what I have to accomplish, like a Mm. long list of check marks. So if somebody comes in and it's like, oh, I really need your time. If it doesn't fit my open window, I feel like interrupted. Like I can't give you that for me. And I think we're losing that. Like we're in the society where like, the pace of our lives, I feel it's so fast. And uh, coming from another country, I think at the beginning I struggled with that and now I've got used to it. And so I have yep. to make this, uh, like it's something that even if it's not in your own nature, um, you, you get used to it quickly. And now we have to be more intentional about, okay, slow down and make more windows so they're like free. So people can show up and they were able to actually welcome them. At least I found out in my everyday life, Mm. it is a struggle because of the go, go, go mentality and the the million things that I think I'm going to do today. Yeah. Jimmy, you had a good word on interruption yesterday. Mm. Oh, you want to? uh, Of uh, the hitchhiker? Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, what what was the point about interruption? I don't. I guess just about like <laughs> you, you. We had had a conversation about how you're trying to learn to be more interruptible. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, as somebody who I tend to be more more driven, um, and it, it it just smacks you in the face every once in a while of uh, when we're focused on productivity over people. Mm-hmm. Not productivity and people, which I think can be okay, because it's like, again, the, Jesus and as early as followers were just like, let's just sit around just outside Jerusalem and just chat. They're like, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're rallied together to do, so- we are called to do something, but with and for each other for the betterment of the world, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and I've noticed a real, um, I noticed for a long time, just a real crappy shift in me of like door closed, uh, productivity, mm-hmm. get the work done, um, and then off we go. And then when you get in that mindset, you just notice how few people you interact with and how out of touch you are in people's lives. Like it's, it's just a, a sucky place to be. Um, mm. And so the the most jarring example was uh, tra- traveling in the southern United States in a rented car with a friend of mine, also a pastor. Um, and he is like, I'm an, an I'm I'm an extrovert, but he is like an extra extrovert. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like we're driving in the car, and it's like a sunny, hot day, and we're like in the country, driving to a, a city in the southern United States, and same thing, kind of lost, but kind of know where we're going. And we pass a pass a hitchhiker, and wasn't the first person that we passed, I don't think, but anyway, uh, we're we're chatting, and all of a sudden he's just like backs up like on the highway i'm like what you doing bro first of all backing up on a highway not always wise second of all 
we're in the States. Like we're sweet little polite Canadians that we're in the States and don't really know where we're going. So all this goes to my mind. And I just said like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm gonna pick up the hitchhiker. Hitchhiker. Like I'd be like, oh, of course. You know, like, yeah. well, as you do. Why? Why? You know? And he was like, well, because he needs a ride. I'm like, that's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. True. Fair. So anyway, we picked this guy up and he hops in the car and out the gate, this guy is like a big dude. And you can tell he's been like on the road for a while. And the first thing that he says, he's like, thanks guys for picking me up. I've been an alcoholic for 17 years. Can't drive a car and don't have a license. <laughs> Welcome. You're not his name. <laughs> like just that. Uh, so, so it just interrupted my like theology of what it means to be human of mm-hmm. like, if ever I wanted to be like, oh, dork, no, 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 no. Uh, that would have been the moment, but it's like, hold on, like I'm a pastor with another pastor friend of mine, and I'm just willing to drive by this guy. And then even when he introduces himself with some semblance of vulnerability, looking for community where we can mm. very easily serve him. We had most cars have two seats in the back of the car. And I would have it if it had not been for Matt, I would have been like, Oh yeah, no, I'm not used to that. So why would I why would I make space in my mind for that? You know? Um, and he was like such a gracious, the, the hitchhiker was such a gracious dude, you know, it wasn't like it was, oh, we're, cause he asked what we did, we're both pastors. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be quiet for us. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I used to go to Sunday school when I was a kid, but I kind of think it's all BS. We're like, oh, fun chat. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks. So then, and yeah, he was just like, where are you headed? And we're like, oh, we're headed to, you know, the city. He's like, I'll drive with you the whole way. And you're like, yeah. Yep. Well, at first, exactly. Like, at first I was like. Well, this interrupts my sense of ego, arrogance, all of that to be like, okay, God, if if everything is divinely, if if the world is the Lord's and everything in it, this is a moment of spirit, you know? So I can be a jerk and quiet or listen, like make make space. And you're forced to, you're in the confines of a car. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about this story from yeah. his perspective. Yeah. And what's striking me about it is the the amount of vulnerability it takes to be a hitchhiker. And then also like the second he gets in the car is opening up about like, you know, some pretty hard, difficult stuff in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot we can learn from that about what it takes to be, uh, to be in community, to like step out of our comfort zones and like allow people into our lives and rely on other people. Yeah. Just being vulnerable. Yeah. Like being willing to be vulnerable even. Absolutely. Like the world that we live in is designed to keep us busy and focused and self reliant. And it community cannot coexist with any of those values. Um, not really anyway. Yeah. With much difficulty. I'm glad you brought that up about this, um, that the world we're in makes that harder for community to happen. And something that Quincy mentioned in the teaching this week, um, talking about the advent of the refrigerator, yeah. meaning that we could stay home. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy, you mentioned it as well, a phone yeah. that, you know, even something you're in your home with your family and you're having that time of community family time, your phone is going to get in the way of that too. Yeah. So in this new world like that we've got so many things that are different than jesus's time so his teachings about community um spending time together how's that different now yeah i think a big part of that and and as we talk about the refrigerator as we talk about the phone like technology is something that doesn't inherently 
create a barrier to community, but depending on how we use that technology, it can be a barrier. For example, phones at the table. I don't have to go to the supermarket every day because I have a fridge full of food for the next week or two weeks or whatever people shop for. Um, but or even nowadays, just I can Uber eat something to my doorstep and have contactless delivery, so I really don't need to see anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and so it it enables us to prevent opportunity for community. Uh, but it's I, interesting, eh? like I, I, I'm just thinking about it, the drive-through. That's yeah. another <laughs> foreigner concept to me. Like uh, before Canada, all these. Uh, there, there are good things. I mean, I'm not questioning the the fridge and phones and drive-through, but it is so strange how we are thinking to provide people with these tools eh, to make their life better. Right. I, I would say maybe easier, like not better. Mm-hmm. Like it's easier for me to get my coffee through a window. I don't have to stop at the car, get out. But these tools... Eh, are really focused on uh, minimize the contact, the mm. personal contact. Yeah. Everything is contactless. Everything mm. is like a drive-through. Like uh, you're not talking to somebody. And even the use of the phone, like the phone itself, it's amazing. I remember when I had to talk to my grandma in the States, we had to walk to a specific yep. place for like 15 minutes, yeah. go in a cabin, like do the, the whole wheel thing. Um, the lady there, she had to connect with my grandma. Like it was one a month of time that we could talk to her. My kids can talk to my mother in Italy every single day. They grab my phone and they FaceTime, right? So mm. these things are positive. But how many times do I grab my phone and like send a quick message to somebody that it, I know it would be so much better just even call them or stop mm. by and yeah. say hi or show up for five minutes. But it's like, I can't be interrupted as I'm just going to send a quick message, right? So efficiency over the efficiency. And I think it ties up with like what Jimmy was saying before that it like, like our ego. And I think also what do we think about ourselves? Like uh, the more busy, the busier we are, I think uh, we feel better. Yeah. The busier, the better. Totally. Yeah. Like there is something about that. It's a cultural value for yep. sure. Another thing you uh, had talked about, Valentina, in terms of like culture shock in coming to to Canada, to North America was suburbia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you wanted to get into that at all. And you have an architectural background. Yes, I do. Yep. So I studied the phenomenon of suburbia back in Italy. And when we came to Canada, uh, myself and my friend, we were doing a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the case study because they wanted to know what we thought about suburbia. And we were doing a project. There was a, like a, the renovation of downtown Owen Sound. So they wanted to know what were, we, we, we thought about how to bring life back to this uh, city, this mm-hmm. town. Um, and I think for me, it was challenging to... To, to learn and study about suburbia and uh, get to know this reality of people that live in these uh, very big houses compared to the one that we have back in Italy. They're all on top of each other yeah. and everybody knows everybody's business uh, all the time. <laughs> um, now you have this very defined property that is mm-hmm. yours and it defines you. The size of the house generally it also says something about yourself or where you, do you live? And uh, the fence uh, is also this uh, 
unspoken symbol of like, okay. Boundary. This, this far only. Yeah. yeah. And another weird thing, like, why do we park cars in the front of the house is the best part of uh, the house to make connection and they, they should be in the back. Like, it's, but no, the backyard is our own property, yeah. just for us. Oh, yeah. Have you guys ever heard about this? Um, um, I'm sure it was a book, but it, it um, and I'm getting the title wrong. But anyway, the turquoise table or yep. something like that. Mm-hmm. That was fascinating. How this lady, she, long story short, that she put this table in the front of her house and just let it there, and she was sitting, and how she was able to build a more meaningful connection with the people that were just walking, walking by. by. She just sat out front. Yeah, it, it it was like something that it got delivered like in the wrong time, so they left it there, and they, I don't know, it was too heavy to move. But anyway, this table yeah. ended up being at the front of her the house, yeah. so why she wanted it at the back in her backyard? Oh, okay, right. And it just made me think about the front of the house uh, going back uh, to the way also that a suburbia is built, right? Like we we leave the front for cars to show our status. We don't leave it for two chairs uh, and, I don't know, probably something to eat, a little table there. Yeah. Uh, so if a neighbors come by mm. walking their dogs, uh, we can actually stop and, and chat a little bit. Yeah. The, the, the way that its cities are built, uh, it's very interesting. I think it tells us a lot about the community or non-communities. Yeah. Mm. Cause, and, and I remember there was this commercial about suburbia. It's like where everybody gets out to get into their car and just says hi to the neighbors and quick wave and off you go yeah to work and they come back at night right but that that's our lives yeah that's that's the the genesis of like the the front driveway is how do i get from this door to that door as fast as possible Mm. the invention of like parking garages underneath buildings is another fast because it (laughs) subtracts that even further now i'm not even out in daylight building i go from this door to that elevator a little apartment to get to my apartment close my apartment door and i live in my apartment like you can go for was uh, i won't say who the ceo was but uh is a very well-known company um the ceo built his role and his office with that in mind so he had, it started with a, with a parking stall and then they expanded and then there was a, a location, a headquarter location in New York City. Uh, and he fashioned himself a stall for his car with a private elevator that met the front of his car no with, with a, an elevator like doorman. And then he eventually got rid of the doorman. So only he had a key and the elevator went up to the back of his office. Wow. wow. Productivity over people. And this is a telecommunications CEO. A telecommunication CEO, telephone, communicating with other humans. I don't want to see anybody. (laughs) Crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's also in in the nature of like how you set up your space. Like I love how you're saying that with the table, but like, I mean, I was looking at different houses lately, uh, not that anyone can afford anything in these markets, but that aside, (laughs) like I'm looking, I'm looking at the backyard. Just windows. Yeah, I'll just join your (laughs) But like you look at the house and you're like, oh, that one's got a pool in the backyard. That one's got a hot tub. That one's got a patio. And- the way we set up our space is like you're saying the front yard is maybe you do some landscaping right or or a little walkway to the front door and it's made to look very nice and presentable mm-hmm. this idea of pristine like this is what it looks like to be here but the backyard is the fun space that's for me that's where i'm going to invite people in as i selectively choose who gets to be part of that and they can come and enjoy the pool or the hot tub or the barbecue or whatever else is out there 
Yeah. That's such a fascinating and hilarious mental exercise. Like my brain, I am right there with you, Garnet. Imagine if like you built a house with a pool in the, in the front yard. No fence. Uh, pool and tiki bar in the front. <laughs> yeah. Or if you just like put a hot tub on the, like I'm just thinking we, we're good friends with our neighbors. But I wonder if I am, like, if I'm just in my swimming trunks in a hot tub in the front yard and Susan and Chad, who you've met, uh, walk by, would it be like, oh, that's really cool? Or they'd be like, Jump what in going to do? Put that in your backyard, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's Where a, are the hidden cameras, right? Exactly. <laughs> so it's a social experiment. Yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, shout out to one of our former pastors, Simon. Um, he he did that. Like, the, the Turkish, the, the turquoise table is... Uh, um, he he also shared that story with me and said like he he and his family decided what let's just buy a couple like Home Depot picnic tables and we'll just put them on our front lawn and he spent dedicated time I don't remember how often but he's like Jimmy like at least once a week I just am like out there with my computer or books and it's how we've gotten to know our neighbors some neighbors still think it's a bit weird but he's like I just want to be like uh um I forget his line. It was like a welcoming presence, even if it feels awkward, mm. you know? So that's kind of a cool moniker. Not yeah. to be like, I think a pastor lives there, but we never see him. It's like, oh no, a pastor lives there and, and there he is. And we can tell by his actions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's the risk we have to take in order to sort of uh, do the uphill climb that it seems like we we face in, in the world that we live in, in the society that we live in, of yeah. like building community is like, you kind of got to step out and be... A little weird, a little awkward. Um, and I think you're right. The other thing we have to give up is also this uh, control, like you know, mm. of our time. If we're not open to be interrupted, it's not going to work out. And to be seen, to yeah. be vulnerable. Because if not, we'll just keep it to the superficial level, right? So, um, but if you really can open that door of time and vulnerability and trust it, I think that that's it how you can build the like community it's a it's kind of funny that we care so much about how other people think about us but we don't actually know other people very well anyway like what they're thinking about why do we (laughs) care that much just an open question i guess Yeah. Mm. yeah i think some of that is predicated too i'm like trying to be like gentle with myself and others that i know are struggling right now and how this might feel like okay like seriously how I have just no emotional holistic capacity. And so I, I, I just want to bring that up too, because a lot of us go through our days and like we hate our jobs or, or our jobs are so very difficult uh, and so taxing that by the time you get home and your lunch is unpacked and your kids' lunch is repacked and make dinner, there just is nothing left. Mm-hmm. And so there there also is something to be said of like, we don't want to be communicating like the best thing for you to do is like obliterate the fences <laughs> in your backyard. There is also some like, yeah. again, let's re- be reminded that as a regular rhythm, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to go, <laughs> you know, with his own disciples who are like, we don't get food if you don't help us figure out where, we're, what is, where are you headed? <laughs> I'm just going to go. Well, how long? Ah, I'll be back in a bit, <laughs> you know, and then comes back. So there is the like taking stock of like, sometimes the best thing that we can do to be a, a, collaborative healthy community member is to pay attention to our own internal rhythms and sometimes mm-hmm. that is like you should go in back in your backyard with a cold beer coffee uh podcast something and just like if you if you're unwell it it, it likely will contribute to the unwellness of your family of your walk mm-hmm. with god 
of your relationships too, you know, but then paying attention to for sure. Okay. Once that tank is filled up, great, invite yeah. others. So I just want like whoever's listening to hear that like hopefully being part of a community of faith is a you being encouraged that like Jesus cares about your heart, mind, and soul. And that maybe that there are others who um will invite you into their backyard. I as an introvert, I receive that. Um <laughs> Amen. I, yes. I guess I just want to say that like for me, I think uh a struggle that I face, uh and I don't want to speak for all introverts in this, but for me, the, what's draining about the idea of community is the idea that um, I'll somehow become beholden to people. Mm, and totally. the like black box of like not knowing what, or there's a curtain and behind it could just be infinity of needs I need to meet yeah. after I open myself up to somebody okay. and let them into my life is like, well, what if they just keep asking? Yep. It's just a nonstop yeah. debit from your emotional account. Exactly. And before that even happens, I'm like, that is too high a price to pay. I'm just not going <laughs> to. But I think as we were talking about before, just to call back to this a bit, is that community, when we are inviting people into community with us, it's not just a one-sided give or a one-sided take. It's a back and forth. Yeah. And the beauty of that is you're not just finding someone who has these needs that you're meeting, you can find people who can support you. And I think to, I mean, this is again, from a uh, very extroverted perspective, I, I love to be with people. So for me, it's like, if I get home after a long day and everything, there's nothing I'd want to do more than connect with friends. Yeah, And that would energize me, that would build me up. And again, not to speak for all extroverts, but uh, to flip that on its head a bit, for me, I go out and it's so life-giving for me to hang out with friends, have them speak words of life into my life, share what their days were like, share what they were doing. And in turn, I then get to speak into their life as well and have that back and forth. But it's not one-sided and it does build me up. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important to the balance and I see it more as a cycle. Mm. As you all are saying, right? Like I, in my personal life experience, I feel that I've uh, experienced both. The loss of being drained for having given out too much and yeah. I, I didn't recognize maybe when I needed to step away a little yep. bit and, and it's recharge myself. Yep. But you know what that it really is teaching me because it's really happening right now where I feel like, uh, I, I wanna be honest with you, I'm, I'm in a point in my life where also I feel like, okay, is it really true community possible? Because I feel I've given so much out that I'm burning myself, uh, like mm. uh, really, I feel burnt out. But as we talk together too, I really feel the hope that uh, if I am able to recognize in what part of the cycle I am, mm. and I, I can embrace both the sides, the receiving and the giving, mm. and the silence and the togetherness. Mm. If I'm able to let that flow more fluidly without having this idea in my mind that I should always give all the time, if not, I'm a bad person, which is the backstory in my mind, maybe I would be able to really truly embrace community more. And one thing that I find it's really helping me is right now is understanding that I, I'm not doing anything, but God is really, he can do things through us. And if I feel the burden, I can bring it to him. Mm-hmm. And that has shifted like a lot of my most draining relationship. Yeah. Mainly, like where I feel like, oh my God, as you said, Dan, like it 
there's so much need there. Yes. <laughs> and if I can't can satisfy all these uh, needs, I I can't. Yep. So the moment that I realize if I can bring those burdens to God, He can, mm-hmm. and I'm just a vessel. Yeah. It really shifted a lot in my personal life, uh, that pressure that I was feeling. Okay, I'm not going to let you in because if I feel like if I open the door, it's going to be this uh, draining experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like I, I can't let that happen because I'm already on a cycle that I feel a little bit more low. Yeah, I do get that. Like I, I've had some points in my life where I had friends or, or people that I was hanging out with that had a lot of very heavy stuff going on in their life. And I'm not going to share their story, but it was just one of those things where I found myself talking to a friend of mine, just being like, how, how do I support this? How do I give enough to be able to get them through this? And they're like, you don't, Yeah, you can't like you're, you cannot be everything that they need you to be, but you can be present. Mm -hmm. And so it was just really comforting for me to know that I'm not going to meet all their needs but I might be able to meet a few and then someone else in our community might be able to meet another few. And like you said, offering that up to God and seeing who he brings into that space to meet those needs from different perspectives is also really helpful to just say, it's not on me. And he's our infinite source, right? Like that symbology gets used so often. He fills our cup. He's the, the water of life where like you drink and you'll never be thirsty again. Like, yeah, it's all there. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to, I, I, want to, I would love for you guys to answer this question because I've wrestled with it being a, like a senior leader at the meeting house. Um, answer it like two choices, home church, hey. small slice of heaven, small slice of hell. <laughs> Can it not be both? No, you have to choose one. <laughs> okay, so, so, purgatory maybe. <laughs> yeah. exactly. it, it's interesting. Again, uh, my wife is the, the consummate introvert and so... Uh, when I came to the meeting house many, many years ago, like that was the selling feature. It's like, we do one thing, we do really well, home church. I'm like, okay, whoa, what is it? Oh, it's where like, it's not just teaching. It's like the chairs face each other. I'm like, amazing. So how does that happen? Well, we meet in homes in the middle of the week and like, we just talk about what's going on. And I, even as an extrovert was like, oh, that sounds, whoa, wait a minute. Like for, for my introvert friends, like, hey, Welcome to our church. You, you know, your next step is to come to a stranger's house in the middle of the week mm. uh, in a place you don't know where you don't know if they'll be parking. And we're going to ask you to invest two hours. And in the, that two hour conversation, you will unveil your deepest, darkest sins. Welcome to the meeting house. <laughs> you know, like oh, what on earth? You start. Know? Yeah. Easy start. That's right. And I remember my first experience at home church when I was like um, shadowing before I became a lead pastor. Like it was that was the bill of goods that I was sold. And it was the worst experience. <laughs> like nobody talked to me as an extrovert. I'm like, I don't like this church, you know? Yeah. So I'd be interested to hear like in quick form, mm. introvert, extra, half and half, extrovert, extrovert, home church, small slice, that. small slice of hell, small slice of heaven, down. Yeah. Quick. Uh, okay, I'll say mine. Kay. Yeah. It depends on the week. Okay, great. Yeah, depends. Yeah, I would say for me, I love it. And I have like my, so similar approach to you. I went to home church and I was supposed to be quick, but I went to home church the first time. Yeah. Didn't really get to talk to anyone, didn't make any deep connections. And I felt like an outcast. Ooh, stopped going to home church right off the bat. That's as an later. extrovert. As so an extrovert. Fascinating. Yeah. Met a few people, but then they went off to these like clicky groups and then yeah. I felt outside and I, yeah, where do I go now again? I'm like, well, I already introduced you, like myself, to you. So 
Now what do I do? Guess I'll go into the backyard and sit by myself. Over here, yeah. <laughs> but like, so that was weird. So I stopped going. And then more recently, I've joined a home church actually that is primarily introverts. And uh, not to say that there aren't extroverts there, but being the one extrovert there, it's kind of a fun dynamic because they're very intentional in how they connect with mm-hmm. each other. Yeah, And I, I find that very relaxing for me. And it's more like smaller conversations between two people rather than we're all going to talk together. And there is bigger conversations, yep. but now I love it. it. It's great now that I've been able to make those connections and I am part of that in crowd. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's very hmm. helpful for me. Yeah. So a little bit of both I'm yeah. hearing both heaven and hell. Yeah. It took me five years to, to join a home church. Just, I think oh, that it, so yeah. So, Good. yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. but at the moment that I felt like, uh, I really wanted to build like more meaningful relationship with other people that were sharing the journey following Jesus. I was in, mm-hmm. but I mean, it it was not something that I right at the beginning when I heard about home church. I was like, no. Yeah, yeah, Gardner. My experience was very similar to yours. I went once and didn't have a great experience. Didn't go again for a year, I think. Um, but what happened was, so I tried to join a young adults home church it was pretty clicky and then during the summer there were like larger events where it was kind of like it was a shared space we were like playing sports or we would go for a hike or something Mm. and i got to know people a little bit better that way uh just like a shared activity yep and when fall rolled around and home church started again i felt way more comfortable going because you had some of those relationships. Because I had some of those relationships okay. built. And I think that is the weird thing about home church is that like you don't normally get, you don't ever get invited to someone's house that you've never met before. <laughs> there is some buy-in required mm-hmm. and generally some relationship needs to exist before someone feels comfortable stepping into somebody else's home, let alone, you know, inviting someone into their home. I mean, that's, that's a whole different thing, but... um. I think that's that's where the weirdness comes in is that like we're sort of home church kind of institutionalizes the idea of inviting yeah, somebody so, to your house yeah and then everybody's there under the premise it, it like the inviting atmosphere is just not there by default mm. because we're here for this set two hour period and then we're going to get out of here and mm. the conversation is shallow and the the interactions are uh you know paper thin or sort of like surface level but then when you really get to know people and home church becomes more about like that shared life experience mm-hmm. and people are vulnerable community at its best, that's community yeah. at its best. It takes time to get there and not everybody gets to get there because they just get kind of turned off by the but initial experience. A big yeah. piece of what you're saying there. Uh, and, and this is something I felt too, is that home church as it's been set up is the idea of, oh yeah, find a home church. Like it's on you, Jimmy, you got to go out there, look at our list pick which one's close to you and which one you want to go to. And now you've found your home church. Whereas Dan, you're saying invited to home church. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's a much that's bigger, exact. That's what feels, oh, you're being brought into something. You're being included. You're being hosted. And I think that that going back to some of what we were talking about with the earlier church, some of those different characteristics that we were talking about is the difference there. And it's, if you feel invited to something, if you feel like someone's putting on that radical hospitality, that you're not just welcome, but you belong there. Uh, that's the difference is like, oh, okay, I'm welcome there. I can show up and now I have no one to talk to. Or it's, no, no, you're part of this. You belong here. We want you in our group. Oh, hey, person over there that doesn't seem to be with people, come come talk to us. We want you in here. There's a difference between that. And I think 
it's it's shifting the view of just what this is to be a little bit broader in the sense of we're trying to facilitate not just communication over this topic, but community. Yeah. I want to take this pause. Um, Val, you had a verse that you came mm-hmm. with. Yes. Do you mind? Sure. Do you mind sharing that? It's uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, 27. And it says, uh, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Mm. And it, I, wa- I was sharing this earlier with you guys because I, I think it just made me think about the fact that, that uh, life is messy. And Jesus is not asking us to share only the joy and the bright side of our our accomplishments or our yeah. careers or the good things are happening in our lives. Like he really is saying that when one part is suffering, all of us are suffering. So again, going back to the cycle, um, it's the invitation of being whole and showing, putting down the mask and letting us... Uh, like letting other people, this trusted community, see us for like uh, who we truly are. Yeah. Warts all. Yeah. And sharing, really, really sharing life together, not just, oh, yeah, I did this thing and it went great and that thing went great and everything's wonderful. I'm just on the big it is messy. Like, I don't know about yeah. you guys, my relationships, like, uh, like uh, people go through hard stuff. Okay. I'm uh, myself, but it, like if people have a hard choices to make, like it is uh, bumpy and it's messy. And I feel this, uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to be part of this. Like, just call me when you want to go out for like a pizza or something. I don't know, <laughs> like, you know, but I feel like if I don't allow, if I don't let myself in the messiness of these trusted friends, like we, we can experience both. Like it, it's very superficial and I long for both. Absolutely. Yeah. The highs cannot be as high if mm-hmm. the lows are not fully delved into, right? Mm. Yeah. And that's where we stretch a little bit ourselves and and we can grow the muscles really of like we can grow mm-hmm. with these challenging experiences and hard decisions to make. I think mm-hmm. that's where we're called to be present. Yeah. And it can be easier too, I think. Right. The more used to that we are. Mm. I, I, I'm I thinking back to your experience on the um, Camino de Santiago. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, the, the woman who let you into her house, she lives on that path. I'm sure that wasn't the first time oh, yeah. she let somebody into her house, sure. you know, yeah. like that is a learned, that's a learned behavior. Mm. Um, yeah. And I bet she's gotten quite good, quite good at it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. The hitchhiker too. Yes. Like the fact that that's his opening statement, I think too, is I didn't think about it until you said it earlier. Like that's learned behavior, like a- almost like uh, de-escalating what could be a really like, ooh, a scenario. He's like, by the way, you're safe. I'm not going to kill you yet. Uh, I'm also an alcoholic, which is why I can't drive. And I so like, it's a speech. I feel like now that you've said it earlier, cards and I'm like, table. oh yeah, cards on the table. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I think we have a lot to think about and clearly a, a lot of really good examples of uh, people to learn from mm-hmm. on how to do community better. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Valentina, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, so good, so good to have you, you out today. For having me. Yeah, and we will see you all next time.